Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, I want to thank our friends, Tarpon Sellers, out in Napa Valley for playing an instrument role in making the Nolcast possible. Besides making cool hats that Bud loves to wear, they make some of the better red wines uh, that's out there. And if you choose to sample any of their selections, be sure you use the code Nolcast for an extra 20% off. So, Bud, Florida State is 4 0. That's pretty cool. Uh, let's have a conversation tonight about both the Boston College game and just kind of where this program sits as we hit the, uh, you know, the proverbial, not really the quarter mile marker, almost kind of more like the third mile marker if you're looking at percentages of the uh, of the season consumed by the game so far. So uh, should be a fun podcast. Let's jump into it. No doubt about it. We didn't put out any social for this one, as far as I know, unless you did. So, like, Everybody who's in the chat right now is just notification gang OGs. Uh, you guys get the notification on your phone that we're live, and we kind of like it that way sometimes, right? So welcome to the chat. Uh, Maggie certainly could have used some tarpon sellers today. She was homesick with, with both kids. So uh, it, was a, it was a long day in the Elliott household. I definitely have some uh, Sudafed helping me fight this battle. FSU is four and zero. Got the got the hurricane coming, obviously uh, this weekend or this week. So, really hope all, all of our listeners, you know, along the Gulf Coast, are staying safe. And uh, you know, if you need some place to, you know, get to higher ground, you know, hope you guys find that. And uh, you know, everything, you know, hope hope it all works out okay for you. Um, we don't have any update to start, by the way, on whether the game will be played or not. I think a lot of it just sort of depends on. Uh, how fast the, the storm moves and how intense it is and where it hits. So basically like how fast is it going? How fast is it spinning? And you know, where, where does it hit? That's kind of, kind of the, the three things there. That'll be the most important. I have no idea if they play this contingency plan wise, there is the weekend potentially for you to play this. If you were to move your bye week uh, up, take it this weekend and then, I think it's the 22nd is the week at Wake, and you could play Wake then and then have Wake play BC on the 15th or something like that because their they're bye weeks match up. That's not from the ACC. That's just informed speculation, I think, between the two of us that looking at the schedules, that would make the most sense if you did have to uh, if you'd have to move it. Chad's asking if we're in the path. Like, I don't know, man. I, I grew up in Fort Myers. That I consider is something like in the path. Orlando, I don't really consider in the path of a hurricane. I mean, it's it's enough inland to where, you know, it it I'm uh I'm not I don't know. Maybe I should worry about hurricanes in, in Orlando. Not not giving advice here on hurricanes. I just I I don't if you like I just you know, it is what it is. All right, a lot of hurricane talk. We'll have a little more hurricane talk later this episode, but Getting to watch this game, you know, watch the All-22 today, I- I'm impressed by some things here. I- I'm impressed by Jordan Travis coming out and really not running very much. And I think Boston College didn't think he was going to run. They certainly didn't play him like he was going to run. And I thought that he kind of won with his mind, man. Like he made smart decisions for the most part. Accurate throw of the football. I and mean, there was one drive I thought he looked like he was kind of protecting himself. O- other than that, really not uh, – you know, not much. I, I I liked what I saw out of Jordan. Just a, another good game of him throwing the football. And that's that's a major progression for him and a major step for this offense. What what was your kind of kind of first salvo, first takeaway? And you're muted. 
we are on fire tonight. This is a this is a quality show. We start late. We're muting ourselves. I'm a professional, definitely. Um, I thought it was just an average game for Jordan Travis this year, and his average level of play has been exceptional. I mean, it's been absolutely incredible. He has progressed in a manner that I almost feel sorry for. I'm not sorry for. That's too strong of a phrase, but, I mean, I will – there will be a lot of people on message boards and quote unquote sidewalk fans and other things. It'll be like, well, you know, this kid could make the Jordan Travis progression between this year and next during the off season or something like that. And I'd just say, enjoy it. This is normally not the trajectory that you see over the course of somebody's career. Jordan uh, was playing really well at the end of last year. I'm always one to point that out that last five games or so he was really good player. And he's taken those five games and leaped even further off of those five than I could have imagined. He's really turned into, you know, one of the better eight quarterbacks in the country or something like that. I mean, he's he's turned into a great player. And there's a large part of me that says that you've been fairly strategic and holding on to the the use of his legs. And, and that in theory, you will uh, maybe let him loose for the next three games or so. Obviously, all of that talk is presumptive that the schedule stays in the manner that we think it does. And you're talking about Wake, Clemson, and NC State. But no, uh, Jordan's been exceptional. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, a couple other notes here. I'll, I'll rapid fire a couple of these, bounce them off you, and just let me know what you think. You, you, you shoot a couple at me. We don't need to go over every single thing that happened in the game. Uh, Boston College was was pretty outmanned here. That That's uh, due to, I think, mostly due to injury. That is one of the worst ACC teams that FSU's played in a while. Uh, they We knew about the offensive line they were missing. They, now, the Trapillo kid, the left tackle, did go. He sort of rotated series uh, with, with with the freshman there, and it really didn't matter. He didn't look to me like he was he was 100%. Or if that's 100%, I feel bad for Boston College. Uh, they, they they have some some real issues. Defensively, their best end, uh, Salah, did not play. He's out for the year now. Uh, and then uh, corners, uh, Jalen Cheek and Amari Jackson – uh, also didn't play. And I I thought that was interesting, man. I, I really thought Boston College uh, didn't cover very well. And part of that is to FSU's credit. They they did a nice job getting open. Uh, but especially like when BC was trying to play any kind of zone, it was uh, – they did not communicate that stuff very well in the back end. Cam McDonald was 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 running like like people were, aller- were allergic to him. You know, he was just wide open uh, several times. That was That was nice to see. A couple concerns, maybe, and then a couple more things that I think are neat. I am a little bit concerned about the offensive line, and this is just not – I'm not trying to be negative here, but if you don't have Scott, which they don't, if you don't have Lyles and you don't have Harris, those are three or five starters. You're you're down three or five starters right now on the offensive line. It's starting to show. Darius didn't get – at left tackle, Darius did not get a whole lot of movement in the run game turn time. I feel like like the overall level of play is below average, but the, when he's good, it's somewhat good. The problem is the bad is just unplayably bad. And it it happens too often, right? It's sort of a Juwan Williams type thing going on. Like, like when it's bad, it's just either not knowing who to block or, or not touching anybody. You know, so that is a little bit of a concern to me because I think that some teams will get more pressure than Boston College did and will cover better in the back end as well. 
and maybe get more pressure without needing to blitz as much as Boston College blitz. Like they they came after FSU. I think they were trying to think, hey, if we can win this football game, we have got to try to create some turnovers because our offense is probably DOA, which it was. FSU, I thought, handled that pretty well. Most of that was was Jordan. You had some decent blitz pickup from backs, which was good because I'll, I'll get on the backs here in a minute. But overall, it was a it was a nice effort. I, I, like they didn't come out flat. They played hard. I kind of wonder if they're tipping some of their play action stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if like on a rewatch, man, but there's a couple times you run some good hard play action, and I don't know. Like I'm sh- like they'll self scout this. Obviously, if, if I'm seeing it on on one rewatch, they, they got all kinds of analysts who are doing their advanced stuff, and they go back and they watch it and they scout each other. BC is just like totally covering up these routes on some of this play action stuff. So I don't know what they saw, but um, you know. I'm not picking up what it is if there is something. Maybe, maybe they just got lucky. It, it, yeah. It's only it's a small sample set one game. There's you know there's two sides to every coin. There's a part of me that hopes this game Wake Forest game doesn't get moved. They just had to play Clemson. They played Clemson to overtime. I'd love to go ahead and try to grab Wake now. Uh, there is a part of me, and it's not like you're going to turn Jazz into a drastically better player with a week or so. But I I do think that Florida State would be aided in. Uh, kind of not necessarily reevaluating like you're going to move people around a whole lot positionally, but just trying to get a feel for exactly what you have at offensive line post-injury, get a better idea as to what your, you know, your, uh, your left tackle timetable is and try to feel that out. And also, you know, anytime you can give Dylan Gibbons a couple extra days to rest up, that's a guy that's always, you know, going and uh, giving you everything that he has. So I do think you could benefit from having your offensive line regroup and get a little bit better idea as to what that starting five in theory is going to look like for the next four or five weeks. Uh, but, you know, there's always there's always positives and benefits uh, to everything. That is the one thing that if I, I pointed out a negative uh, in the instant reaction, I would have liked to have seen Florida State run the ball a little bit better. You didn't really get a whole lot of push with that group uh, at all. Now, DC's defense, BC's defense is still pretty decent unit. It's one of the better 45, 50 units in the country. Uh, now, maybe not with some of their attrition that you just talked about at defensive end. Um, but I think that's mainly against the pass. I, I, they're still an okay run defense, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. So um, it, it'll be interesting. I, I personally don't think you're going to play this weekend. That's just my own thoughts. And I know we're kind of weaving a bunch of storylines back and forth here, but. Uh, I do think that if there's any unit that could benefit from it, uh, having Atkins a little bit more time to work with that line and get a better feel for what exactly he has and and when he expects pieces to return uh, would be beneficial. I I agree on that. Um, you know, I I really like. I'm not sure how much they're going to need this because at some point, like they still haven't run Jordan this year, assuming he gets 100. percent And I don't know if he was if he was 100. He's probably i don't know if you want to guess maybe 80 or something like that he really like the only time he ran was, was when he scrambled he, he did not intentionally run at all at least not to my recollection but you still have that in the tank if you do need to do something different though i will say i like treshawn treshawn ward in in the wildcat i think he does a nice job out of that like he, he first of all he catches the ball pretty cleanly which is good better than he catches pitches right <laughs> Uh, to to go back to the LSU game, and he does seem to to read it pretty well and and have the right amount of patience. Sometimes these wildcat guys just get it and they just slam it to the line. He 
he reads it pretty good. I will say on the night, I thought the backs were not really fully trusting of what the run game stuff, like what the scheme was doing. And I think I counted two or three plays where I think, like in my view, I just think they made the wrong cut, to be honest. And and FSU actually had it blocked. There's one, if you guys want to go back and watch this, it's the last play of the first quarter. And BC does have a late stunt. FSU actually picks it up, or excuse me, a, a late a late shift along their defensive line. FSU picks it up well, right? And and you have Maurice and, and, and Gibbons combo, and they climb nice, and it looks like it's opening up for something where, you know, I, I think if Ward hits that hole, he's got to make one man miss to score. If, if he doesn't, he's going to have like a seven or eight yard gain. He, he cuts it backside for like like a two or three yard gain, and I just I don't know maybe maybe I'm not understanding what their rules are on that play, but there are a couple other times, and it wasn't just him, you know, that they make the offensive line look not as good as as they could be, and yet on the night, I mean, 24 carries for what 130 from your top two backs is, is a is a good night. I'm just saying it could have been even better. Everybody could have been a little bit better in the run game. I thought the tight end blocking tonight, or not tonight, but but Saturday night was a bit of an issue. There, there's one, it was either Daniel or Rector. I'm trying to remember now. They're they're trying to wham it. He comes across the formation, and I think he's a little bit late. But the the linebacker just completely stones him, and it it, it gets the back off his track. And and yes, the offensive line is not real physical. It's very not athletic. Okay. So that's just who you have right now. You're missing three of your top five guys. We'll see when Scott gets back, You know, if he gets back. You are kind of what you are right now. But at some point, you're going to need to mash that easy button that is Jordan Travis's legs. I'm, I'm confident that you will probably need to do that some in the next couple games. We'll see how that goes. I, I, I think it was awesome that they were able to save it up. How scared were you when uh, when they're backed up? I think this is maybe last drive or second to last drive of the first quarter and uh, and Boston College brings the blitz they almost get home you're in your own your own end zone and Jordan is just dancing around back there some nifty footwork in the pocket <laughs> like oh gosh like this is he's going to get crunched and gets out and throws a strike to uh was it Williams I think that was pretty impressive really impressive i would like to have that not be a, a habit as far as uh, him being a little bit patient with the ball in the end zone, just because, uh, you know, you never really know what's happening on your blind side there. But, uh, no, really impressive with what Jordan's done and uh, just the night from the the wide receivers in general. I mean, I pointed this out uh, on the instant, as many others have. It's pretty much get the opportunity to spread the ball to a lot of wide receivers, and it seems to be a different wide receiver – walks away with kind of the fattest stat line of the evening, but everybody's had their their moment so far. Uh, Pittman's been the more, you know, kind of consistent, uh, not with the one gaudy stat line uh, that Pokey or Wilson or even uh, uh, even Williams had in this game. But uh, it's been, a, um, it's been a, a great, you know, collaborative effort from the wide receivers, and buy-in is impressive. They seem to really enjoy trying to block for each other. Uh, it's a it's a sharp group, no doubt about it. Um, receiver wise, look, I think you got to give some credit to Ron Dugans for his receivers making improvement year over year. And 
you can say, well, hey, your top two guys are transfers, and that's that's fair. But they are playing better in Tallahassee than they played at their prior stops. So I think he deserves some credit for that. You also have to give some credit to Mike Norvell, who you know was a receiver in college and is a guy who loves receivers, and that was his position. He wants to feature them. I'm sure it ate him up not being able to have quality receivers his first his first two years in Tallahassee. He's also taken a real hands-on approach with that unit, right? And and just ensuring that they get better. So, uh, but this is definitely a much better receiving core than it was last year. And you're seeing some other options when people want to try to take away the big guy, which I think after the Louisville game, you'll probably see some teams try to do that. You have some other options to go to. Are there lingering questions? Yeah, man. To me, there are. So, Nobody has effectively pressed these guys yet. We thought LSU might. LSU actually played a lot of off coverage. Louisville's not a good press team. Boston College really played a lot more off. They pressed a little bit, but not much. Somebody's going to press these guys. And that is... It's not like I don't think they can get off press. They have Some of these guys have had issues with press in the past. Specifically Wilson. Jordan. Not, uh, you know, not... Um, what you call it? Okay. They're not, not Jordan. Excuse me. Johnny, gosh, there's been so many Wilsons that catching balls, right? Jordan tied it anyway. Like Johnny's had some some issues with, with press in the past. We'll see if he can get off that. It's it's a new challenge. I'm not sure which team that will be. I don't think Wake this weekend, if the game is played, will be that team. It might be Clemson if those guys are are healed up, but you also might not need to if you're Clemson. Uh, so receiving core much improved through four games, and I feel confident saying that. Offensive line is actually better than it was last year, even though you're down three starters. And that is absolutely a credit to Alex Atkins. Like, if I had told you, hey, man, next year they're going to lose three offensive linemen within the first three games. And they're going to be not good, but maybe average-ish. I mean, Atkins is worth every penny to the staff. Credit to Atkins, <laughs> and I'm not trying to oversell a kid, but I know he's not Jermaine Johnson. But, man, we may look back in a couple of years and think that Dylan Gibbons was as big of a transfer portal kid as anybody that this program got as far as a, a, a transition period, a piece that you can just plug in there and, you know, gives you – like they, they rate soccer players on a 1 to 10 scale every game. Very rare that you see somebody get an 8.5 or above or something like that. But long-winded way of saying a 7.2 is pretty pretty good score. And uh, I feel like Gibbons goes out there and gives you a 6.8 or somewhere between a – Six and a half and a seven and a half every game. He's just a consistent known quantity at the offensive line and something that has been desperately needed. He's brought a uh, a level of consistency that this team hadn't had in a long time. So uh, that's been a, a really fantastic get and something that in a couple of years we may look back as one of the more transformational pieces they were able to get out of the portal. Um. Let's see, bud. You want to talk about the defense real briefly? Anything else you want to know from the offense? I wanted to note a couple, a couple more things on the offense because I, I spent more time watch, watching the offense. I, I did, I did the defense run through one time, man. And to be honest, like, there's not a whole lot I took away from it. Boston yeah. College just can't block anybody. They're they're a mess offensively. Like, we'll we'll talk. I can talk about it a little bit, but I mean, it kind of was what it was. I thought FSU put some fun stuff on film, though. Right, just formationally, they. They threw a lot of stuff out there that they didn't fully maximize, but they were doing some fun stuff with it that I obviously, like, it's pretty clear that they have some things they could set up off it. And this is not like state secrets. If you're a college football coach, you're going to notice this. So 
watch the uh, the first touchdown that they scored. Not not the the Benson kick return, but but the the handoff out, out of the pistol. They actually put four guys into the boundary, right? So they're run, they're running uh, trips into the boundary, and then they have um, obviously like they they have the back kind of a little offset in the pistol there into the boundary, and it, formationally that that is kind of weird to do on the goal line, and it, it I think it creates some interesting challenges for you as a defense, especially if you have a QB who can win the race to the corner out of some bootleg looks. Now FSU didn't run Jordan out of this, but it's an obvious extension of this if you wanted to. And I think part of the reason why the play works so well is because with that much field open, I mean, literally like it's you had the entire field side of the field open, you know, that's tough to defend Jordan Travis in. So you have to respect the backside of the keep on this. And instead it's just, it's just a handoff front side on the play and not a walk-in touchdown, but it was a touchdown that scored with, with relative ease. So I, I like that. I, I thought they ran a lot of pistol on the night because they wanted to get some of those hard play action. They wanted to get some of the downhill run stuff. And I think most likely because they understood that Boston College is not run by idiots and that some of the stuff that you do with more of the offset back from the gun is not going to be as well respected because nobody's actually expecting Jordan Travis to keep the ball a night after it looked like he snapped his ankle or a week after <laughs> he snapped his ankle at Louisville. So I think formationally they were like, hey, we need to get more downhill run game going. We need to get more hard play action off it. You know, um, pistol would, would make sense for that. So that to me, that's kind of the intent behind doing that. Nobody told me that. That's just kind of some stuff I, I thought was, was fun from the game. The last one here, uh, they went trips to the field and then they ran jet motion, right? So you have trips over here, okay? You have back over here. They run the jet this way, right? And then they fake the handoff to the jet. So I think that the defense is thinking, okay, nope, it's it's kicking out the center. We're, we're, we're probably some kind of you know some kind of play pass coming this way, and they give it to the back on a counter. So they're actually taking the jet guy who they faked it to, but it was not a half-ass fake, but like not a not a real hard fake, right? And then they give it to the back. So you actually have the jet guy as the kickout, and they're running counter up underneath it, which I thought was kind of neat. So. A lot, I think FSU used parts of this game to put things on film that opponents are going to have to rep in practice, you know, and I'm sure they have counters off of, of some of these things. Like, I don't, but when I say counters, I don't mean like, like they're running the play called counter. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, like I'm sure they have some other uh, accompaniments to go with some of these plays that they're running. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. I, I, I think this offense is, it's going to be very competitive because of Jordan, because of, of some of your skill guys now in games where, where they have a hope of blocking the opponent. We'll thank our friends, Chad and Shannon, ever so briefly, uh, longtime supporters of the Nolcast, helped put Bud into two houses now, helped more than 450 of our listeners, could not have a better partnership. Uh, Shannon is as good as they get, as uh, Bud and many of our listeners are frequent to email me and describe. So again, 844-FSU-LOAN is the phone number. Chad and Shannon are the legendary team. And a big thank you to Legendary Home Loans for their longtime sponsorship of the Nolcast. No doubt about it. You want to talk some defense here? Yeah, man. I And, and look, if your takeaway from this after rewatch was the same takeaway I had after the instant reaction, which is 
offensive line's really bad, tough to make a whole lot of this, then that's fine. We, we don't have to, you know, force a review on something. But what did you see in your uh, in your one once over? Yeah, so I, I I thought I thought the secondary played pretty damn well, right? Now Boston College kind of has one threat and it's flowers, but ultimately I, I thought FSU did a nice job blanking receivers. They allowed flowers to catch the ball, but they mostly allowed them to catch, you know, shorter underneath stuff, right? And that was pretty solid. You know, I'm I'm really pleased with how the defense is playing at times. That they don't have their their two best guys up front, you know. So I'm I'm kind of pleased with how they're doing with sort of the mass unit up front right now. I mean, you you have Cooper in there who's doing okay. He's not he hasn't really taken like a big time step this year. I don't think he's just kind of is what he is. You don't have love it. You don't have verse Briggs. I thought played one of his better games in a while, you know, uh, better, but good. I, I would have needed it. Like I, I would have been concerned if Briggs didn't pop in this game. Uh, had I not. Yeah, that's fair. You know, been a old man with a 58 year old back. That would have been one of the few things that I pointed out in our previews that if Briggs is going to, if you don't see Briggs in the BC game, then I've got to be concerned that his career trajectory has been changed significantly for that injury. So it was good to see him. They played like 25 or 30 guys on defense in this game. That was pretty impressive. Like they, they, I mean, they emptied the bench. You, you had a lot of dudes get into the game. Um, for future, I did like some things. I thought Patrick Payton showed some nice bursts off the edge and the bend he had to get the one sack, like that's something that I don't care who the opponent is to show the burst and the bend that he had was something that was pretty impressive to me. I mean, Lions only played like two series, but I thought he had some, some quality stuff to him. He, he has some juice and, and Odell has a great track record for developing these guys. I thought the linebackers played well again, man, you know? So that was encouraging. I think Randy Shannon is doing a good job with those linebackers. Am I going to give him credit for the recruiting side? No, definitely not. I I, I don't think that's him. I, I think that's Derek Ray getting Nicholson. But I do think he's done a nice job coaching linebackers who are actually on the team. Uh, honestly, like Brendan Gant is playing decently, man. I'm I'm impressed with that. So kudos to Randy Shannon on that. You know, this defense though, it concerns me in some areas. Right? We have not really seen it face a good passing offense yet we've seen it face mobile quarterbacks and have various levels of success i thought they were more permissive in what they did against daniels and lsu because they were worried about the passing threats i think and against louisville they did not do a great job obviously you know that's just just kind of is what it is they played a little bit better in the second half louisville also had two receivers go down in that game so i would expect you to to play better as, as some of the Louisville options get hurt within the game. Yeah, it was great. Uh, uh, great to see AZ Thomas in a non Duquesne game as well. Great to see him pull a pin and closing speed on that guy is, uh, is significant and good to see good to get a good glimpse as to what 20 is going to look like. If maybe he uh, will not project to be the starter that, uh, that he looked like he might've been for a couple weeks there as you were exiting camp. So um Anything else from defense? You, you need verse back in, in, in a major way. I mean, like that's – right now you don't have anybody up front who is consistently affecting the passer. 
without having to blitz. And I, I feel like those are just things you're going to have to have because, well, the secondary was better in this game, in my opinion. I'm not really sure that you know they were uh, they were tested all that much. This is it was just hard for me to watch this and, and be like, look, I like the effort, right? Uh, I I thought they played, they rallied to the ball pretty well for the most part. There were only a few plays before garbage time in which they were truly out leveraged, so that was encouraging. I thought the, the backers tackled pretty well. You know, they are a team right now, and we, we can pair some stats with this. Like, your, your eyes will tell you what they're running. I mean, they're they're sitting in cover two a lot, or sometimes four, but, like, they're they're sitting in a two-deep look quite a bit. And, and the goal is clearly to deny explosive plays through the air. And so far this year, they have done that. They are ninth in the country in passing explosiveness rating on defense. So if their goal is, hey, we're a big defensive front, we do not want you to throw the ball over our heads. If you do matriculate the ball down the field, we will try to win in the red zone. That's not a terrible way to play this, given the personnel you have. The DBs and the secondary obviously are not as good as I, th- I think you thought they were going to be coming to the season. I, I overrated them myself, right? Now, part of that, I think, was Amari and Cooper being injured. He was better in this game. If he comes back and actually gets uh, close to or even better than what he was at the end of the season last year, then we're having a different conversation, I think, about this defense. But overall, I don't really know that I would play it all that differently than what they're playing right now. You know? Um, to me, that's that it, it is what it is. I'm... It's weird. I, I I have a lot more confidence in the offensive coaching staff than I do the defensive coaching staff. But the next couple games concern me a little bit more. Well, two of the three do offensively just because of your personnel up front, right? This Wake Forest game, though, we'll get into the preview more. If FSU does not score a number that begins with a four, I'm concerned. Hmm. Like they're gonna I, I think you need 40 to win this game. Maybe 38 or something gets it done. I could be wrong, right? But they are going to have to limit explosive plays through the air because that's what Wake does. Wake doesn't run the ball worth a damn. Challenge Wake to run the ball like Clemson did in the second half. See how well they do so. Maybe force some turnovers and you know force some field goals in the red zone. That's kind of what they – I mean, there's some things they do well this year. Defensively, they have not stopped the run well, but I do – that's stats, right? And my eyes tell me that a lot of those stats are Daniels and Cunningham running around. I think they're better than 100th in the nation in terms of rush defense, like against running backs. And you're not going to face a better runner at the QB position than Daniels and Cunningham until the final game of the year. And that's if Richardson is healthy for the Gators, which who knows if he will be by that point. He looked a little better against Tennessee, though. So I'm I'm pretty pleased, man, with with how this team is playing relative to the personnel they have for the most part. And that like I think the staff is doing a nice job. It's been uh you know, been a complete uh, 180 degree turnaround. And I mean that in the most simplistic form that you started 0 and four last year, and it was all about just hey, can you keep a recruiting class together? Or, or not even that. It's how many defections are you gonna have from this recruiting class and what can you keep together uh, to 4-0? And look, last, 
you're cheering for a legitimate program now. Is Florida State one of the best ten programs in the country? No. Is it is it back? No. Is it back on the right track? Hell yeah. I, I mean, I think we can all say that emphatically. And yep. uh, you know that yeah, there's a coach here or two that you know you can probably improve upon in time, but for the most part, you have pretty competent coaching staff, and you're seeing a a unit, uh, broadly speaking, that that is progressing game by game. Special teams. Great to see Benson return that. I thought I still had his jersey up there. I guess I took it down. Um, there's nothing we can say about the kicker, man. I mean, I, I, when when you're missing extra points, to me, it's probably time that you need to go in a different direction. But you're either going to go try to grab somebody from an intramural field, a soccer player. The third option would be to explore other options already on the roster. I haven't heard of any. Uh, I think you're just gonna have to hope that 88 snaps out of this, and uh, in the meantime, be aware that you know anything probably <laughs> anything better than fourth and eight, you probably need to go for. Uh, I just think you have to change the way you call a game because I don't know that the change of personnel is going to be coming anytime soon. Honestly, like. And I, this is going to be so so freezing cold takes if, if things go wrong. But against Wake, I think you need to call the game like every time you get past the fifty, it's four down territory. You need to be playing this thing like you need touchdowns. Field goals might not get it done. We'll see. Maybe they will. Maybe, maybe they will. It, he doesn't miss every kick, right? But he does miss uh, more than that makes you comfortable. He's he's not a good kicker at this point. FSU in kick efficiency this year is 117th, which is not great. If you guys need a reminder, there's only 131 teams out there. I'm sure there are a lot of FCS teams that have a better kicker. However, uh, they do continue to cover kicks or kick touchbacks really, really well. Uh, they are they are still number one in the country in kickoff coverage. So they are sticking opponents pretty deep in their own end. They, they do those things nice. Uh, their kick return efficiency, by the way, improved this week. Remember how I said they were like almost dead last entering the game? When you take one back for a touchdown, it really helps things. They, they are they are on the rise, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is a – it's a much better football team than last year. This year's team would would ragdoll last year's team, even with the current injuries, I think. If you got the if you got your, your, your guys back healthy and the passion they play with, like you can tell the belief they have in Norvell – it's special, man. Like this is, this team may not win the conference. It, it, it may not win nine games or, or even eight, right? Like who knows how they finish. But I, I think this will be a team that Norvell, when, when he, when he hangs it up and then retires, he'll think of pretty fondly because those guys stayed bought in after almost like no proof of concept in the first two years. Yeah. So I think buy-in from a fan base. I think that's I think that's really what this fan base would have put at the top of the list at this point. Just give me a team that's you know it's not going to be infighting, it's not going to be DBs pointing at each other while guys you know twenty two yards open running down the sidelines, whatever else. Uh, just give me a functional unit, and and I go back to this all the time. But that was basically your main request from your from your consultant is give me somebody that's going to run a program have collective buy-in and let's just be a, let's just be a, you know, a, a program that is uh, kind of all on the same song sheet. If you want to use some silly reference like that. And, and you've gotten that more. Um, 
not to not to keep going back to the the kicking game. He has made some. I'll just tell you, normally when you start missing extra points and the first extra point that was made that's made by about six inches or something like that, when you start seeing that, uh, you just know that a kid's confidence and everything else is scrambled and uh, probably going to have to make some kind of alternative. But in the meantime, it's a uh, you know, four-down territory from pretty much everything once you pass the logo at midfield. And honestly, like, even if you had a good kicker, it, it probably should be closer to that anyway. So mm-hmm. people worrying about this, I feel like, might overreact. That You're not losing that much, except for end-of-game situations, obviously, end-of-half situations, which do matter. But if you're talking like mid-third quarter, third and five, or excuse me, obviously, third and five is a go. Uh, fourth and five from your, like from, from the 44, that's a go, man. You know, or, or even from the, like, like, like from the 30. That that should be a go, especially if you're any kind of decent offense. And I feel like this actually is a pretty decent offense. Uh, you put you put something interesting in the chat here. You you want to go to this? Yeah, let's. Uh, I mentioned this in the instant reaction. I wanted to revisit our win projections from the beginning of the season. Uh, before we do that, we'll thank our friends at Congruity. Matt Lewis and his team are uh, exceptional. I can tell you that as I'm going through the onboarding process right now. Uh, it's just remarkable the level of service uh, that we have with congruity versus our previous provider and uh, would encourage anybody that's looking for help with payroll HR are the uh, many options of services that congruity offers to give them a look if you want to email us or direct message me uh, for a third party introduction more than happy to do that uh, can't recommend Matt Lewis and his team more and uh, we give them a big thanks for making the Nolcast possible. So, yeah, I wanted to go back and look at the win projections, pulled up what we had from our previous podcast, and then kind of uh, adjusted based off that four of them are now one win percentages. Uh, but, Bud, yeah, let's just revisit this real quickly and kind of see, get a feel for if we want to change some of these numbers in the games remaining and uh, what the math kind of points as to what, it looks like for the rest of the regular season. I, a lot of people have asked for these, so I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm excited to do this with you. You know, so Wake Forest, uh, you had 61 and I had 68, I think, entering the year. Uh yes, I had 61. You had it in the 70s, and then said if Hartman's back, I'd I'd have it around 68. So okay, yeah, I'm I'm not going to move that one up right uh because i'm obviously worried that you don't have your front line players along the lines of scrimmage and i think you need those guys to affect clemson or excuse me to affect wake forest uh specifically like i this line opened one and a half at one and a half i would take the Knolls. the line is now seven if you don't end up having verse and love it and obviously, like people are in the chat, like if you're at the game, you you, you see Lovett walking around or, you know, doing what he was doing. I don't know how you affect the pocket enough to expect to win by multiple scores. Now, maybe the answer is just you run the ball all over Wake and, and you're you play really well in the red zone and you beat these guys like 38-27, which is possible. I'm gonna like I think FSU should be favored in this game. Even with the injuries, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really 
comfortable with them being a seven point favorite at this point. Yeah, it's rich. Would love to have, uh, yeah, like you said, love to have anybody that can push that that pocket back and that kind of unique little mesh point. It's not just the mesh point and the time, and, and we'll have a preview show to dedicate this. It's the fact that your quarterback, I would say, throws the ball more like a mortal, like a mortar projection than he does like aggressively down the field. Like the whole, they're not 50 50 balls. The whole angle and delivery of it is as a defender. Now, look, 20 for Clemson was just having a, a day and a half as far as frustrations, particularly in the first three quarters, trying to guard Wake's wide receivers. But I get it as a, as a defender, your whole mental clock has got to be so screwed up. Again, not just so because the, the mesh with the running back is so long. It's that kid just feels comfortable throwing the ball at a higher arc than almost any college quarterback that I've ever seen. And uh, that's, you know, naturally going to mean the ball's in the air longer and a harder, harder play and harder ask of your defensive backs. But I'm going to keep mine at six, one, you had your or 0.61. You had yours at 0.68. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's roughly in the ballpark. Uh, NC state, you had 0.31. I had 0.25. I, I'm not moving off that either, just because of. You need to get Robert Scott back for for me, for me to move off this, right? Now NC State didn't has not looked very good offensively yet. However, their front seven is nasty. They are uh, eighth in the country in opponent adjusted defense. They are top ten or better in every rushing statistic that I can find defensively. And uh, they are also 13th in passing success rate defense. That's pretty good, right? And, oh, what are these numbers the chat said? These are FSU's odds to win the game. I don't know how much, uh, you know, how much can you actually run the ball on NC State? Now, one of the things is we don't really know how well Jordan Travis will play against NC State because I don't think he's ever actually been healthy for the NC State game, right? It was, uh, it was Milton last year. And I think he missed it the year prior too, didn't he? I can't remember. I, f- I feel like that was that was like some Chuba stuff uh, in in that game, and you ran some wildcats and other stuff, and they just pounded you there the last time in, in in Raleigh. Now, NC State could lose this game because your defense could be better by this point, and NC State's offense screws around and does a lot of stuff that I feel like is poor coaching and just really inefficient. All right, they are again throwing every. Damn, I almost hit my, my my little letterboxing. They're throwing like every every pass to the running back, man. They're number four in the country in percentage of passes going to running backs. They're number 106 in the country in percentage of passes going to receivers. Guess what? If you want to throw a million passes to running backs, FSU's got this guy named Bethune and Sutter and Deloach who are more than happy to chase those dudes down and tackle them for a three-yard three yard game. So stylistically, I actually don't hate FSU's defense against NC State, despite the fact they've kind of tore them up for the last two years. Some of that, I think, was situational. It's FSU's offense. This is a very stout NC State front. I'm not saying Darius Washington's a bad player. I do think that Robert Scott is a better run blocker uh, than he than he was. So I actually think I'm going to increase my number slightly here because I, I have hope that maybe you get some defensive guys back by this game. Or maybe, uh, you know, maybe Scott. I'm going to match your your 0.31, your, your 31% from the preseason just because Jordan is so much better, right? But the offensive line injuries, they, they do scare me here. Yeah. Um, I, I will move. 
look, I'll save you all the time. There's some small ones that I move up slightly. The NC State's one of them. By the time we get down to the Syracuse and I readjust that one, it's pretty much all negated. So my my numbers are going to be fairly similar as far as the end projections. But yeah, I'd I'd move mine from 31% to maybe 35% here uh, after watching NC State a little bit more. But you're right. Uh, I will not do any significant movement until I know what the situation at offensive line is. Like uh, right now, if they played this game today with like my current power numbers, I, I have NC State more than a touchdown favorite in that game. So got to get some guys back. Yeah. Clemson, uh, I had it 36%. You had it 26%. Their offense looks a lot better than I thought it would. So does FSU's. They, now, here's the key. Clemson's got to get some of these DBs back, man. Mm-hmm. Because the, like the DBs they ran out there against Wake were not their starters. Like They had some true freshmen getting absolutely roasted in that game. They do expect to get these guys back at some point. So I don't know if they'll have them back by the time FSU plays. I would think FSU would have most of their hurt guys backed by Clemson. So it's sort of strength on strength. I, I'm i going to move this up, too, just because Jordan, right? And I, I'm at this point, I'm more confident in Jordan to play to play really well, like at an elite level, than I am DJ, although DJ looks a lot better this year than he did last year. I, I don't know. I'll say like 0.35. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll go from 36 to 40. Again, not real significant, but uh, slight. Georgia Tech, I had it 86%. You had it 94%. You want to come uh, join me? Basically, exactly what we <laughs> thought was going to happen to Georgia Tech. Uh, it did. I always got. I had two different Georgia Tech people reach out to me in the summer for interviews, and they both asked me a very similar question was, what's the chance that Mike Norvell is not the coach by the Georgia Tech game? I'm like, uh... <laughs> I could ask the same question, dog, uh, but anywho, yes, Jeff Collins and the AD uh, have both been gone. I will say from an AD perspective, if you report that you don't have the money to pay for a buyout and then there's a whole other alumni group out there that comes and says, guess what? We do have the money for the buyout and we're going to take care of your buyout too. Congratulations. Mm. Uh, can't be doing that when you're the athletic director. So uh, a lot of hurricane talk on this podcast so far and we'll revisit uh, for those Hurricanes that were vanquished by the mighty Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State this weekend, I think all of 192 people were able to see the game. Interestingly enough, 67,000 people the next day had the ability to go see a football game in the exact same stadium. Uh, but hmm. nonetheless, we'll keep our conversation here on Miami win percentages. Pro atmosphere. Pro atmosphere. Pro atmosphere, Don. Absolutely. <laughs> And if you can go to a college football game and you can't get into an Uber and be eating a meal 90 minutes later, it means your stadium sucks. Or at least that's what I've heard. So uh, it's awesome (laughs) how that works out. Anywho, yeah, I had Miami at .29, as did you. I would probably take it. I don't want to get too wild here, but I'd I'd probably put this at around 40% at this point. I mean, until I see them run a functioning offense, I'm going higher. Okay. I'm going 45%. Okay. Right now, I could even go higher, man. To be honest, like I, I don't have any faith in in what they have right now on offense to score points. However, there are some things here. Just like we're talking about FSU needing to get back some guys, and he's got to come back, and he's versed to come back, and he'd love it to come back. Miami needs their, you know, all pro offense offensive tackle Nelson to come back healthy, which it looks like he might be able to do. They don't have their top two receivers which is a really big deal because they lost their top two receivers off last year's team, right? So Rambo and Harley are gone. 
And now Restrepo has a foot thing. He might be back for the FSU game. Jacoby George, who I think was gone for the first two games, uh, he has a thumb thing, and that's undetermined how long he'll be out. Right now, they just have no ability to throw the football, and they have a quarterback controversy. And their only offensive player that has impressed me at all this year left the game with a concussion against Middle Tennessee State. Is that Knighton? I'm sorry. Uh, Uh, Well, it's the other running back, the kid that they got from uh, 21, whatever his name is. He's a good player. Impressed with him. Parrish. Parrish, exactly. The the, the old Miss kid. Yeah. Um, Now, look, Miami defensive line-wise, I still think is pretty nasty, and this will just sort of depend on who do you have blocking. There are three games left on this schedule who I think your defensive line is really – or your offensive line is really important. Clemson, NC State, and Miami. I actually think that your offensive line can handle everybody else on this schedule, even if Scott doesn't come back with the quickness or doesn't come back at 100%. Those are the three, to me, that would trouble me the most with your current iteration of the offensive line. However, this is a game your defense could eat. Because I think if you have a, a not mobile quarterback for a team that also doesn't throw the ball very well, okay. So your best receiving options a tight end. Yeah, I, I like Dents played extremely well in coverage this year. Your backers have been pretty good in coverage. I'm cool with that. You know, we'll we'll see it. And you know, like that's Miami will have a good home crowd for that game. But if the Knolls roll in there with, let's say a zero, a one, or a two in the loss column. Like, as long as you don't go 0-3 in the next three, you're going to have a big FSU contingent yep. down there. You'll, you'll have 35%. Uh, you will. Oh. Yeah, for sure. And if Miami's running running bad, you might have 40 or 45%. You know? So, maybe we'll be low on that game. Like, if they play tomorrow, I think FSU whips Miami. Mm-hmm. I just I, – I am allowing for the idea that, that Miami gets some guys back. Yeah. You know? I, and, like, they'll look better if they do. They will. Uh Look, one of one of the YouTube uh, supporters, CJC, I appreciate it. Yeah, Van Dyke, I pointed out, yes, he was victimized by some drops in the Texas A&M game. Uh, Van Dyke just hadn't looked good all year. And uh, he was, man, I, I feel sorry for a group text. I was texting Bud literally like it was, you know, 1994. And nobody's able to watch a game anymore. But I was just, almost every play, I'm like, yeah, horrible pass from Van Dyke. Oh, look, they got stuffed on third and one. Oh, they got stuffed on fourth and one. This is hilarious. Uh, it is a offensive disaster, and obviously Van Dyke was a better fit with the previous system. But even still, Van Dyke is missing easy, open, makeable throws right now, and uh, I'm not sure that he wins this job back. It will be very interesting to watch. Do you want to hear a Larry stat? Please, always. A team that played Jimbo Fisher's offense, mm. right, which doesn't even know you can throw the ball past ten yards is dead last in the nation in passing explosiveness allowed. That's how bad, like, literally, they've played Southern Miss without Southern Miss's starting quarterback, mm-hmm. Bethune, at AM, which didn't throw any passes past 10 yards, no explosiveness. That's how bad Middle Tennessee State lit these guys up. They had 400 something passing yards on 16 completions. Like, they were averaging almost 30 yards per completion. amazing so as much as i want to sit here and laugh at miami for another 10 minutes we should probably keep moving syracuse is the game that i referenced that we've got to adjust downward at least yeah in my opinion i will be doing relatively aggressively i had it at 79 percent but headed at 69 percent coming into the season 
Um, I will put this Syracuse game at about 52% right now for Florida State. I'm going to say like 50, like 58, 60. I, here's the thing with Syracuse, they are still thin. Okay. And they started to lose some guys at the end of that game. And look, I've already been wrong on Syracuse once this year. I, I gave their win total under out on, on, on the cover three pod. Most of the win totals I gave out are going to win. So like, I mean, or at least just I looked at my projections today. I, I feel pretty good about most of these. Auburn sucks. You know, we gave that one out. So the Arkansas State goes under the five and a half, blah, blah, blah. I was wrong about Syracuse. Syracuse, I was banking too heavily on their lack of depth, right? They have successfully installed that scheme. They look good. Their defense still looks pretty good. Now, they started to show a few cracks, though, on Friday night against a bad Virginia team. And they started to lose some guys. This game is seven weeks away. We'll we'll see how good they are by the time the, the Knowles roll into the dome. Now, who knows? Like FSU's got to stay healthy too. You can't keep losing guys, mm. especially along the, along the lines of scrimmage. You just don't have unlimited depth. They were they had a defensive tackle get injured that changed the complexity of the Virginia game, yes. and then they were victimized by one of the worst targeting calls that I've seen this year. Oh. And we've had some horrible uh, f word targeted calls this year and that was one of the worst i've seen in a long long time so if i didn't do this for a job i would have just not watched college ball on saturday after after that iowa state call they're trying man they're trying their best to kill this sport i I don't understand why i get it i understand both the uh friendly version as to why you're doing this and perhaps the more cynical version uh but like Adopt a, a admit that soccer got something right. Adopt a yellow card, red card system. If you want to have a yellow card for some of these ticky tack stuff, fine. Uh, I was sitting next to an older gentleman for the LSU game. Couldn't see all that well, and the play that Pokey makes that intercept or that touchdown one handed catch is on the other side of the field. He asked me what happened. I said uh, the gay kid just tried to kill Jordan Travis. Let me rephrase that. I said, LSU's defensive lineman just tried to kill shot him. I mean, he, His name was, is literally Ali Gay. Yeah, Ali Gay. That's yeah, a red card offense, man. That that should be a two-game suspension or whatever, which is what soccer does. If you get a straight red, you're not playing in the next Because game. there's clear intent. And some of these targeting things that we're giving, that we're kicking kids out of games for is not only is it just stupid – it's physically impossible to ask these kids to do some of the things that you're talking about. It's, it's obvious. And I've gone on a longer rant than I want, but it's just, it is, uh, it's absurd. And they're doing the best to, to try to kill, kill the sport. So that's frustrating. Uh, I have a fun stat for you. If, if you are interested. So do you remember the, the orange bowl between Clemson and West Virginia? Oh, quite well. Yes. Was it the Route 66 or whatever they ended up calling that? Uh, yeah, it was like honk if you scored 70. <laughs> on, uh, on So do you know who the, the defensive coordinator was for Clemson in that game? Uh, Kevin Steele, I do know. All right. The last two times that Kevin Steele has faced an air raid offense in the Orange Bowl, these lines are, are almost identical, right? 407 yards passing, six touchdowns allowed, 408 yards passing this time. Three touchdowns allowed. It was, uh, yeah, so he's given up over 800 yards and nine touchdowns through the air the last two times Kevin Steele has faced uh, faced an air raid offense in that stadium. Just saying, like, maybe there's saying. something there. Maybe there is something I know, there. That, that's a reach, and, and I'm okay reaching. Yeah. It's, it's... 
Um, Louisiana, we had it 86%. I had it 86%. You had it 84%. Very similar numbers there. I don't know that I'm going to adjust that uh, a whole lot. That's kind of what I thought. What is your opinion? Yeah, I, like it's still it's still a bit of a trap game. Timing-wise, they look pretty bad, though. I mean, they lost to Louisiana Monroe over the weekend after losing to Rice. So I think there's some problems there that Louisiana has. I actually have them I, – I bumped them down on my power ranks. I, I have them third in their division now uh, behind both Troy and South Alabama. So I, I think we can – put something on here that starts with a nine yeah like you know probably like nine one nine two ish they're florida, still better than georgia tech uh florida had it 51 percent. you had it 50 percent. so more or less uh the same number there as well uh i'm i'm not gonna move this a ton i mean i just want to see more from richardson richardson if you didn't see the tennessee game yeah he was a beneficiary of a couple of fortunate things but still threw for what, 340 yards or whatever it was. But, I mean, he had a performance that you needed to see from him if you're uh, if you're a Florida fan. I think I'm going to hold my number. Uh, maybe I'll take it from 51 to 55 or something like that, but I'm, I'm going to hold my number fairly firm here. You're not super confident in this defense defending extremely athletic mobile quarterbacks after, not, after the first? Not <laughs> quite yet. Not okay. quite yet, no. Oh, man. I, I, Deloach better get a whole lot of rest. Like that week Louisiana game because the, the the way had they had them covering Cunningham you know was uh, whoo he he was he was wore out in in a good way but I mean just that's a tough ask I thought Florida uh, coached extremely well against Tennessee to mm-hmm. be honest like they were playing to win they they correctly assumed they needed to go for all those fourth downs and make them if they wanted to but like they could have played that game slower and lower to pl- try to play like a, like a a really really uh low scoring don't get blown out type game because if when they go for those fourth downs we, we've seen it here with, with norvell who also plays to win if you don't get those you're getting blown out it's weird because it, it's on it's correct on both sides of the spectrum if you get them you increase your chance to actually win the game but if you don't you might get blown out a punt decreases your chance to win the game but also decreases the you know overall score of the game and I mean, look, they were they were running they were run good on to use kind of like, like a poker term. Like they were running good on those fourth downs. If they don't get some of those, it's probably a three or four score Tennessee win. And Florida's not a bad team. They're not a great team. They have some flaws. Their defense is definitely exploitable. To me, this is just a game of attrition, man. Right? Like who is who keeps their guys healthy longer into the season? We'll see. Right. But ultimately, I mean, we both had these guys at what slightly over seven, I think, in our in our final one going into the year. They're four and oh, so you're gonna adjust that quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I feel like if they get the right guys back at the right time, you shouldn't lose tech, you shouldn't lose Louisiana. Okay. You got Wake, NC State, Clemson, Miami, Q's, Florida. Can you split those? Because if you split those, you're a nine three football team. If you if, yeah. you if you get a couple bounces, you know, I, if you just take the ahead. numbers from what we had, you adjust the first four games to one percentage uh, or one victory share as the games we've played and you won. 
I've got Florida State at winning 8.5 games, and I think, Bud, you're somewhere just north of 8.2. 8.2. So, and that's without the adjustments we made tonight on the show. It's a rough adjustment. I added a little bit to your score because I, I think you ticked up a little bit higher than I did and didn't tick down as far on the Syracuse game. So that's those are those are uh, fairly fairly close to it. So gotcha. yeah, look, you're you're legitimately flirting with winning nine games, and yeah. that's a hell of a departure from where you've been in quite a long time. And look, I I mean, guys. We'll see what happens with NC State Clemson this weekend. It, it, I mean, it's a very much a potential hurricane game for them. I don't think their game's going to get canceled because it, it's like a land falling hurricane coming from the Gulf is not going to probably not going to like knock buildings over in, in, in North Carolina or South Carolina, but that could be a really crazy game. You don't really know what's going to happen there. It's a you know, close spread. And if it's played in a hurricane, we'll see, man. Um, there is not a 0% chance that you win this division. If you get the right breaks and you get the rise, the right guys back on time health wise. And I want to say this in the right way. You want people to be able to go to the game. Safety is important purely for health reasons. I do not think the weight game getting moved. If it does three weeks from now is the worst thing that could happen to you. Personally, Florida State has no intention of giving up a home game. That that I've right. seen a lot of people talk about that. That's no, not they're not going, moving to to not, another location. It's not going to happen. They're not moving it to a neutral site, which is what I've seen thrown out there. And one of the reasons is why is because good people like Matt Thompson and many other local entrepreneurs need to get theirs, and they've waited many a year to get theirs. And so and the you first already gave you a game get, away. To New Orleans. Yeah. The, the first chance you get at actually having an excited home uh, attendance and, and group of people coming home with the idea that they're not going to get their teeth kicked in, uh, you're not going to try to start moving games away. So, as always, Madison Social and Township or absolute uh, class locations when it comes to game day tailgating. And Charlie Park is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar, a place we would encourage you to make a reservation. If you're going there Friday night or particularly uh, the brunch on Sunday morning that is as uh, well thought of as it is. So Charlie Park and the entirety of the For the Table restaurant group has been with us since day one. And we thank you uh, for your continued support and ask uh, you, the listener, support them in any way that you can. We do need to uh, discuss, by the way, one more thing here, which is our prize pick segment, right? Uh, if you recall from the preview, prize picks did not have the FSU lines up yet. Not really their fault. They didn't know if Jordan Travis was going to play. Uh, however, I tweeted this out from the podcast account. If I can find what we put out there. I think we came home with a three for three winner, buddy. Uh, I had my best week ever. I have adjusted. <laughs> I've adjusted my perspective on this significantly. And what I mean by that is in the previous weeks, I was playing like three cards. Uh I'm playing 10 cards now at, at much smaller figures. I'm trying to identify maybe 12 picks that I like across the college football spectrum and then blend that in. Um, and, and look, guys, one of the benefits about prize picks, and, and we ask, you know, uh, be responsible with this, but you can have a hell of a lot of fun putting $5 down and with the opportunity of winning a 10 multiple on it or something like that. It doesn't have to be a big deal. 
uh, obviously we want you guys to uh, to use <laughs> discernment, uh, but particularly with the deposit match that you get with using the code NOLCAST, uh, whatever you put in, they will match on your initial deposit. And uh, Bud, let's get the official review because I was uh, I've, I've, you've got me hooked on this prize picks pretty solid, dog. I was checking my phone throughout the weekend and uh, living and dying with every catch or not catch that's taking place in an Ohio State game, praying that a Utah quarterback's not going to throw an interception, uh, praying that Emory Jones is going to throw an interception. It was a fun weekend to uh, to partner with our friends at Prize Picks. No doubt about it. Promo code NOLCAST gets your 100% deposit match. Let me uh, – okay, where is – I know we put this on the Twitter. I want to make sure we, we – like we're discussing the, the ones that we actually put out uh, for it. So, so we had Micah Pittman at over 40.5 yards. Yep. Uh, that was the one Florida State one that originally stood out to me. Uh I know what was particularly kind to me was the UNC Notre Dame game. You just paired that and yes, oh, that everybody that was, that was brilliant. Just tack on a little bit of UNC offense, a little bit of Notre Dame offense and let it run. So Jordan Travis uh, yards okay. was the other one. And then we gave a third one out, which, Oh, uh, Zay flowers catches was, was the third one. I, I figured FSU would allow him to catch the ball, just not get over the top. And his number, I think, was five and a half catches on the night, and he had seven. So we did end up going to three for three there, which was uh, which which was pretty nice. Like honestly, like if you guys watch your own team, it's extremely hard to go perfect every week, but it's not that difficult to to get some of these, right? Um, I mean, why does Michael Pittman have the lowest receiving number out of all three guys? Because the sample set so far this year is only three games. So if you work for prize picks, you're looking at the stuff, you're saying, okay, well, after the first game, they had on Terry Wilson as the the number one target guy. And then after the second game, they had obviously Johnny Wilson as the, the, the like the, the top target guy. But FSU has plenty of weapons they can spread the ball around to. The things we were confident in were they're not going to intentionally run Jordan Travis like a week after doing what he did on national TV with the injury. They probably will not let him run in the red zone very much because the chance for a hit is super high. So somebody else will score red zone touchdowns and you'll probably have a little more passing from him than you would running. So that's kind of how we built the stack on that. And the fact that, uh, I mean, Boston college has given 10 plus targets to Zay flowers literally every game. So he's a pretty good bat to catch at least six or seven balls per game. All right, man, we've got some great listener questions. We'll just table those to, uh, to the next podcast. I know you've put in a hell of an effort here, and, uh, you know, you probably need to get to sleep at some point. So uh, we'll keep those, incorporate them into oh, our, some nice ones. our preview, if there is such a thing. Otherwise, we'll just come back, do a uh, mailbag, and probably carve out five minutes or so to continue to laugh at Miami. So uh, that's where we are, as always. Tremendous We're- tweeting from you this weekend, by the way. Oh, I have to give you that. So I mean, the, fun, the, the joke about Miami's not used to defending 90-plus uh, yards. Uh, it was... It was uh, Oh, I'm, I'm not a braggadocious figure at all, but for a second, it did feel like I was just in the Twitter matrix, just firing things off at Miami. Uh, it's been and, like five years since you, like, like since you, you, you could just let the chopper spray on this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. But Miami's oh, not used wing... to defending 99 yards. It's one of the better ones that I had. So the, uh, the, the wings recipe, by the way. Yes. So people are asking, how do you get your wings to be crispy when you smoke them without burning them? What I do is I take a tray, like if you guys have a garage fridge, it's probably better to use 
than to use your like your fridge right in the house just for obvious reasons i'm about to talk about so i take the wings cut them open right dump them in, in, in into the tray kind of sop up as much juice or drain it off as you can right paper towels or or, or down the uh down the drain you're trying to remove moisture a little bit and so i just set them open in the garage fridge which is probably not real sanitary I, I don't work for the fda i don't really care right i'm not eating any like things out of the garage fridge uh it's primarily just for like beer and i've got a brisket that i'm wet aging in there so anyway the fridge dries stuff out pretty good so the wings get kind of dried out and then i rub them down and then you, you smoke them like you would and then i crank the heat up just a little bit at the very end to kind of get that extra little snap on them and that's it but i think the pre-drying process other people i know use uh, baking powder right and they shake them in baking powder which also helps to dry them out if you it's a little faster than that process but if you have time to th do them overnight that's what i did and of course i use the double barreled louisiana hot sauce uh, bourbon barrel aged and that was delicious man it it was a little spicy for my kid so I mixed it with a little barbecue sauce and, and kind of made it like a, a wing style barbecue sauce. And that was pretty nice. It was, it was a good time. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Good. To, good to incorporate that. I'm a, I'm a fan of it a little bit more. I think Kroger's got the exclusive on that. So if you've got a Kroger in your area and you're interested in the hot sauce that was aged in a bourbon barrel, uh, Bud and I would certainly recommend it whether you're working on the grill or not. So that'll be the Nolcast. Thank you as always for your support get a chance to give us a written, written review uh, or subscribe to us on YouTube, know that it is greatly appreciated. And we'll be back later on in the week with some kind of podcast, whether it be a game preview or otherwise. See you, buddy.